Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, to the Con Man's Answer Show live every week. If you haven't already, make sure you subscribe to me on your favorite streaming platform at Con Man's Answers to stay up to date with the show. Today is episode 89 with Maynard Okereke. He's also known as Hip Hop Science MD. You can call him Bill Nye Meeting World Star. He's a science communicator who bridges the gap between music, entertainment, and science by introducing scientific elements into pop culture. He can be found on all social medias at Hip Hop Science MD. Without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to the Con Man's Answer Show, episode 89. Um, this is your second time on. We I had you on, I think, last December. I think maybe December of 2020. Huh? Yeah, I think it was back in, yeah, I think it was back in 2020. Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, we were talking about it a little bit before we started. Um, but, yeah, just, I mean, give a brief introduction to who you are and then what you've been doing and things like that, man. Yeah. Uh, well, thanks again for having me. Two times the charm on this platform, so I appreciate it. Uh, but for those uh, that didn't uh, see our session last time, I'm Maynard Okereke, uh, also known as Hip Hop MD. I have a platform called Hip Hop Science, where I use music, entertainment, and comedy to educate on different scientific subjects. Uh, basically, in a nutshell, it's like Bill Nye meets World Star. So you could call me the Ratchet Bill Nye, I guess. Uh, but my whole focus is about introducing scientific topics in new, fun, and profound ways and more engaging ways uh, with a really strong focus of encouraging more minority and youth involvement into the STEM fields. That's, yeah. So we talked about that last time. And I talked to this guy, Neil Thompson, um, and he, the way he's going about doing, trying to get more minority people into the STEM fields is he wrote a children's book, actually. Mm. called um it's it's about his nephew and and the title of the book is something around the lines of uh, uncle uh why is my hair this way and he basically describes mm. the scientific ways of why um their hair is that way um mm. and so it's really cool that that you guys are doing that and the way you do it specifically is dope because i mean not only is hip-hop so important and crucial in, in, in our social climate, but it's, it's so easy to follow, you know? Yeah. And, and the way you organize your TikToks, I think are perfect. They're, they're very eye-grabbing. They're very quick. They get to the point. And they're also very fun. So, you know, you can dive into that a little bit, what, how you started doing those TikToks, what you're doing on your platform going forward. You said this was a big 2022 already. What have you been doing? How'd you start those TikToks? Everything like that, man. Yeah. Um, yeah. Lots has been growing since on the platform. I know when we first connected, uh, things had just kind of started taking off with the platform, started doing a lot more outreach work, obviously on my Instagram page. I share a lot of creative content on there, uh, but everything's been kind of snowballing since then. Uh, I've been doing like specifically curated content for different platforms, working with different organizations. I do workshops and outreach events for schools as well too. So a lot of different schools bring me in to speak to their students about my background, how I got into science communication, my background in engineering, uh, and then how I use my hip hop science platform to help educate. Uh, and it's been taking me on some crazy journeys. I had a chance to do zero gravity flight last year with Go Zero G. Uh, I spent a month at sea uh, on Nautilus Live, on the EV Nautilus, which was an incredible mission. Uh, so got to learn a little bit about some marine uh, biology, marine science work that's being done in our oceans, which was incredible, and shared that on my platform. Uh, but the creative content side is crazy, man, especially when you're trying to navigate these different platforms like YouTube and Instagram and TikTok, obviously. 
each of them you kind of have to curate different types of content for. We talked about earlier you doing the YouTube shorts and everything, right? And you can't just you can't just create something and just post it on all platforms. Each one is specifically designed to filter in different types of content in different ways and for people to connect with the content in different ways. You know, long form content I share on my YouTube channel still because I've still been doing that. So any of my exploratory trips, anything that I have kind of, I want to do a deeper dive into a scientific subject I host on my YouTube channel. Uh, But then on TikTok, which was, one lane that I was kind of, I was hesitant to dive into because I was already doing so much work and everything else. And you know, as a creator, it's, it's hard to do everything. You can't, you can't, and not everything can be your bread and butter. You kind of have to try different things and then find a lane that fits for you. And so that's what I was doing early on was, okay, Instagram was where I was thriving. That's where I was making most of my connections and people were finding out about my platform. So I was like, okay, let me focus on this lane. But TikTok is such a huge, huge vessel uh, for digesting so much different types of content. And I got kind of sparked by seeing some other sidecommers that I know that were doing well within that space. Uh, space Gal was really introducing a lot of different cool space themed topics within her platform. And I thought this would be a creative way to be able to infuse what I do. And I already kind of had my Science Friday segments going. Uh, and so I was like, okay, let me try to curate that specifically for the TikTok lane. And so started doing that and slowly started growing the TikTok platform. Still, you know, still, I wouldn't say it's, it's, my, it's my favorite platform to utilize, but it is interesting seeing the audience that gets connected with this whole edutainment space uh, within TikTok. So still trying to re-innovate and do some new unique things within that platform for this year. Yeah, dude, that's awesome. And I like what you're talking about, the three platforms. For the three I'm talking about, I mean, I'm not really going to get into YouTube. I mean, not YouTube, Snapchat, Spotlight. Uh, I'm talking about Instagram and not Twitter either. Instagram, uh, TikTok, and YouTube are very different, like you said. Like the way I use them, I, like I said, I started trying to do what you said, um, just posting all three to all three. Um, and then occasionally I would have a TikTok get a good amount of views. And then occasionally I'd have a real takeoff, but I was like, eh, um, what really started was the content that I was posting on all three, sorry, take it off on YouTube. And then I realized, but TikTok doesn't like that stuff and, and reels don't really like that stuff. So what I use mostly for Instagram is like posting to my story and posting like actual pictures and things like that about what I'm doing so that whoever follows me on Instagram can see that. And then for YouTube, I post the shorts and my long form content. And then I get over to TikTok and you know, I'm still trying to navigate TikTok because like you said, it's so diverse and it's so niche that like all you got to do is create the content that your fans, fan base, that your fan base would want to see. It's just hard to find what that is. You know what I mean? It's hard to, it's hard to specifically when you're a content creator, find what exactly everyone wants. And before we started, we were talking about how people don't understand how long it takes and how you think about it specifically, how long, like you might not even like be posting all that often, but you you might be thinking about it for hours on end, making the perfect post just for people to like, and then it flops. Right. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And it's crazy. Yeah. Cause you invest so much time and I don't know about you, but for even TikTok, even Instagram, I never, I personally, I, I hate using the in-app features 
of either one of them because they're so finicky. First, I'm already on my phone already, like more than I want to be as is. But then as you're trying to edit on there as well, too, and trying to like pinpoint fine details and cutting points and add this transition and clip and then find the timing for all that. It's so hard a lot of times to do on your phone. So I hate in-app editing features. And I know TikTok specifically is designed to for you to use all the in-app features like they want you to use all those and i think probably some of my view my some of my uh content that I put out there probably doesn't do as well because i don't use the in-app features so that there's probably some algorithm or something that 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 they that they curate to be able to make sure that people are going towards content that uses the features within but I um yeah just get back into talking about the content uh you were talking about man yeah. So, yeah. So I was just saying, I hate using the in-app features for the apps just because they're, they're so finicky and you have to sit there on your phone and kind of dialing in all these little details. So I, I'm traditional editing background. So I, I always go towards my bread and butter, which is Final Cut for me. So even if I shoot stuff on my phone uh, or on my DSLR, which is where I do actually most of my shooting, just because that's a lot easier to do as well, too. I just edit everything on Final Cut and do whatever I need to do and then just post it <laughs> on the platform. It's just so much easier for me. I could be here on my computer. I don't have to be sitting here trying to like do all this fine tune adjusting and everything. Uh, but yeah, at the end of the day, you just got to find what works for you. You got to find kind of a system that works for you. But like we we're talking about, I don't think people realize how much time it takes to piece all this content together, come up with ideas of the type of content that you want to share, and then creating that, you know, creating everything around it. It's such a process. And before you know it, you, you look up and you spent like four hours just trying to post <laughs> a simple 30 second video, you know, and I think for people that simply just digest content, they don't, uh, they don't really see that a lot from the content creator's perspective. But yeah, we go through a ton just trying to produce the content. And then especially when you try to break down science related work as well, too, you have to do your research, right? You have to make sure that you're explaining the content properly and eloquently and factually. And so there's a lot of fact checking. There's a lot of research that goes into actually just creating a lot of the stuff that I put out, which is another element of it that people don't realize as well too so it's really it's there's a, a wide range of different processes that you have to go through uh when you're doing the social media work and it's, it's it gets pretty intense <laughs> yeah dude i trust me like doing this for as long as i've been doing it now which is crazy it's probably huh it's i would say it's been It'll probably be on two years in like August, two years full. Yeah. Um, I started in like right after the pandemic hit in like August. Uh, I guess that was a little bit after because it hit in like March. And then I started. Um, so yeah, it'll, it'll be two years there. And, and what I've learned, the, the biggest thing that I've learned is that one, it's like this podcasting one is not just talking. Like there's an art form to it. There's kind of a flow. Each person has their own way of doing it. But two, it's yeah. like, it's it, it changes the way your mind works kind of um and what i mean by that is like when i'm talking to someone outside of this podcast now um i won't just be shooting the shit all the time i'll actually dive in ask questions become really like in depth with that person regardless of if i know them or not because i feel like a lot of people just have meaningless conversations every day you know they just shoot the shit they never really have like a deep conversation 
But then if you, when you, when you start doing something like a long form podcast where you're almost forced to talk to someone for over an hour and and it's about deeper things than just surface level nonsense, you find that it's actually helpful in your day-to-day lives. You start to learn more. You start, start to really see people for who they are instead of just like acting on impulse, you know? Yeah, exactly. And that's, that's true. And I think part of it is that learning process of improving your skills as well too as you start to create content, as you start to meet different people that you associate with on your podcast from different backgrounds, different walks of life, you also hone into your talent as well too, whether it's the hosting side of it, whether it's engaging and finding interesting questions to talk about. And I think for me, that's also a side that I really appreciate about doing creative content and then also uh, coming on board and doing interviews and talking about my background and sharing my story with others as well, too. The more and more you do that, it's all practice. It's all part of you continuing to hone in on your skills and refine different elements, which helps you grow and then eventually find other platforms, or other ways of reaching or doing outreach in different uh, formats that go a long way. And so I think there's there's always that added benefit just personally, I think, for us as individuals doing this type of work that really helps us grow and become better at what we do. Mm -hmm. Have you always been like super like into content creating and like super creative? Because like, I know for me specifically, when I was in like fifth, sixth grade, I, I made a, I used to make stupid YouTube videos. Cause that's when YouTube came out was when I was like, or I get, I, I didn't, I want, I won't say like came out, but that's when it was like really popular it was when I was in like fifth and sixth grade. And I would make like, I don't know if you ever read the book hatchet or writing um, night of the twisters, but me and my buddies made like uh, like quick little films about those books and share them to our classes. So I've always kind of been like into creation and, and doing cre- content creation. I just didn't really know it. Have, were you the same way? Yeah, I think I've always been creative at heart. always, you know, cause you know, I, I came into, this work doing music. I came in as, as an artist and that, that was kind of, you know, where, where I stood uh, making music. So I was always on the digital side of stuff and even creating music and doing your mixing and mastering all that. That was in, in editing art as well too. So I came into it from that lane, but I was always, you know, a movie head as well too. So either film, uh, short film projects as well, shooting our own stuff. When I left engineering and I moved to LA, to pursue music, I made a nice little detour into doing the acting and, and film work uh, because all the opportunities were here. You know, I was shooting music videos and coming up with kind of creative uh, uh, music video ideas and different processes. That all kind of fueled into just me learning about the whole editing process, learning about telling a story. Uh, and then once I started really going hard at a lot of the acting work and getting a lot more film projects under my belt and kind of seeing the ins and outs of what it took to actually make a film from behind the scenes, from the director to the producer, camera equipment, everything, you start to slowly pick up on a lot of these things. And I came to the point where I was able to make my own content. I was able to kind of put together my own videos and kind of know exactly, hey, this is how I want these to look. This is how I want this to be framed out. And all of that, I think, has really helped me now in this SciComm space, having that background in entertainment 
to be able to now translate that into the communication work that I do, because I think that was a void that was within the space was how to make this type of content stimulating and fun and exciting to watch. Nobody wants to sit and watch a teacher at a board, just kind of write down different <laughs> mathematical facts. So you want somebody that can engage you and somebody that can bring up interesting topics and make connections that you can be able to uh, respond to and have an understanding about. And, you know, like we talked about earlier, what better way to do that than through music and comedy and entertainment, movies, films, all these different things that we consume on a day-to-day -day basis. That was kind of the, the goal. And so I think having that background, doing that work and being in front of camera, being confident, hosting, being confident in who I was and how I spoke on camera, how I interacted on camera uh, and be able to, you know, do comedy bits because I had a little quick bits and doing stand up and stuff. I think all of that aided in having a good plethora of skills to be able to take that now into the communication work that I do and present these topics in really new and interesting ways. So, yeah, I think that creative element always helps no matter what type of background you're going into because creatives not, you know, we, we, we think that every, anybody can do this, but we, we creators are we're few of a kind that not everybody can just come up with really cool, interesting ideas and execute on them. Yeah, there, there's some people that are just literally they, they, they're, they're either too logical and that brain, their brain can't think from, from a, from a scripted, basic uh, basis or from a holistic perspective of how this is going to translate and transform. Uh, and so you need really creative people to really be able to develop some unique ideas. And so I think that's a really, really uh, like dope skill to be able to acquire if that is your lane for sure. And, you know, on top of that too, I think that some people, uh, you know, some people really don't have the ability to be creative and, and, and create content, but some people really need to, you know, some people's like bodies, I feel like really crave being creative and, and creativity. And, and a lot of people like, I feel like once you start getting older, once you start getting a desk job, once you start like conforming to society, you know, and they don't feed that creative side of them anymore. And they just start to like die almost, you know what I mean? You talk, you hear people talk about it, like creative people need to be creative. Um, and I even feel that with, with myself, like I took, I took some time off of the podcast to focus on my last year of college football. Cause like, why not? You know, I wanted to end it with a bang. There's, there's a poster behind me of me. Um, but you know, like, I like to create music not to put out, but just because it feeds that creative sense or doing this and creating content. And I feel not that I feel horrible in my days when I'm not doing something, but when I sit down and I, and I listen to music, listen to a beat and I write a like a verse or something like that, I feel better. Like it, I just feel more, I don't want to say like I, I get a rush of dopamine, but I just feel happier. You know, I feel smiling and, and I think it, it you can attest to something that I, I heard on a, on a short or a TikTok, And it was like, when people don't have, when, when people don't have a sense of meaning in their lives or something they're really drawn to, they resort to like, um, dumb little pleasures, like, like going out and partying or, or sleeping around with women. I think a lot of young people, and I'm, I'm not going to say like young, young, I'm talking about like college age, maybe old high school, they want to do something creative. They're just so afraid of the peers. And so instead they just want to pleasure themselves because they can't find that sense of meaning that they really want, which is being creative. Yeah. No. Uh, yeah. You're right. And I think it's, it's interesting, right? Cause we, we probably all, we all know people that, you know, let's like, let's look at it from the comedy uh, side of it. I have lots of friends that I'm like, you are funny. Like they're funny yeah. in their own 
maybe not like stand up funny, like they wouldn't do well, like jumping up on a stage or whatever and doing some stand up. But they're funny in terms of like just how they could present an interesting fact or they're witty in the moment, you know, and they're so I think from a from a basic level, everybody has like creative juices within them. And I think a lot of times we think that creative means like, oh, you have to be a YouTube star or you have to be a, a viral Instagram station. You have to be this person that does this, all this stuff on TikTok, whatever. And I don't think that's necessarily what a creative is you have i think it's really just finding what is your lane and how you perfect that and how you hone into that uh some people hone into that quicker than others that's why you get some young kids that might blow up doing whatever it is that they do but everybody's talented in some different facets right so i don't want to make sure that when we're talking about creatives like oh it's not just oh you're you're not skilled enough to become a youtube person or do this work that we do on social media or host a podcast or whatever everybody has a creative outlet that fuels them and that they're really dope and talented at but like you said a lot of times it could be fear driven where you are you know scared of like failing at that it could be like art maybe you're a dope artist or drawer maybe you like doing digital design or whatever so there could be so many different lanes but you have to really make an effort to really start to hone into that skill set. And then if you want to try to take it to that next level and make money out of it, start a business or whatever, a lot of people are scared to jump into that because A, they're scared of failing. They don't know exactly what the future is going to hold for them. Uh, maybe their vision isn't long-term. They're just thinking short-term. Uh, maybe they've seen others that haven't that have, that have failed. Maybe they didn't have people in their family you know, that, that they've seen doing that type of work. And there's all sorts of different reasons why people won't gravitate to that. And that's why sometimes it takes a lot longer for some people to hone into their own skill sets. It's, you know, they, they, some people may take, you know, they may graduate, be working for a while, kind of get lost in the system and then realize, Hey, this lane isn't for me. And that was kind of like me, you know, I went to school, I, you know, started working right after I graduated and I was stuck in a job that was great. I was making great money. But I got to a point where I wasn't expanding myself and, filling, and filling myself with the love of experiences like I used to. You know, you, you kind of go through this crazy transformation when you're in like high school and then to college where you're experiencing new things every day and it's so dynamic. And like, you know, you're in last year of school and stuff now. So you're all these different things, people that you're meeting, networking, growth, you know, meeting other peers, starting to create, you know, getting in, getting into your different creative talents and starting a podcast and all these new things are happening at a, such a high level and such a high rate that it just, it's, you're, you're filled with excitement. And then you get to a point like I did and you start working where everything is so kind of predictable and your day-to-day -day life is kind of the same. It's kind of monotonous. And I think a lot of people get lost in that trap when you start getting to this monotonous state that you are in control of your life at the end of the day. You can really dictate where you want things to go. You can dictate how your schedule is going to be from the moment you wake up. Even if you are doing a nine-to-five job or whatever, you can still fill your life with so many other things that feed those creative juices. You just have to figure out what that right balance is for you and for me it really took having to step fully away from that to be able to see where that vision could really go mm -hmm. i think you know on top of that there's 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 two types of people when they when they're in those monotonous careers almost there's one that's like 
I can't handle this. This is the same every day. I hate, you know, I hate it. You know, I need something else. I need more excitement. And then there's the other person who gets comfortable in making a good amount of money, right? They get comfortable in making a, a certain amount of money. They get comfortable in making, um, you know, you know, something that above the poverty line, you know, they're, they can live, they're not, you know, yeah, not not like, they're not struggling and they get comfortable. And so they're just like, what else do I need to do? All I need to do is work. Then I have the weekends off. I can drink some beer with my buddies and then re- redo the cycle. And I think, you know, the, the difference between those two people is nothing until one of them says, all right, what's next for me? There's, there's can always be more, you know, like you don't, I feel like a lot of people are like, all right, get out of high school, go to college, get a job. And then it's, they're just done. I feel like, but you can never stop learning and growing. You guys, you, you could blow up doing something you love at 50, you know, like an example of someone who just like, kind of like, you know, did something. I mean, they were always rich, like, but they were, did something for a while. And then it became the biggest thing in the world is Joe Rogan. Like, yeah, he was always rich. He was always a stand up comic, but the biggest thing he ever did was this podcast. Right. And he started a world, he started a movement of podcasts, kind of the, the, that interactive long form talk conversation podcast, not like true crime or things like that. But you know, he's like an example of somebody or, or Jordan Peterson or somebody who's like old, who just like got famous doing talking, right? Like they went to school and, or, or they did something else and it took them years upon years to become like super big. And it's like, what makes you think that you're going to do it at 18, 19, 20. And I don't want to sound like Gary V here, but I do want to say like, I feel like find something you love and then work at it. And if you can make a live, make a living doing something you love, that's the goal, right? It's not, it's not to be famous. Maybe it's, maybe it's not even to be rich. I mean, money's awesome, but maybe it's not even, it's maybe it's to find something you have a passion for and make money and make a living doing that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, no, that's right. And, and a lot of times we get, <clears throat> we get so focused on what we see through social media. And a lot of times that really sends us down a, a horrible path when we're trying to pursue goals because everybody's, everybody's clout chasing, right? When you, when you think about it on social media and if you follow, you know, you're, you're following celebrities and you're following other like creatives and YouTubers and all these things, everybody's always going to showcase the glamorous side of everything that they do, right? I mean, yeah, you're going to have some people that are depressive and, and showcase all these other things. But for the most part, people are showing the glitz and glam behind the lifestyle that they're leading, the money that they're making, the popularity, the fame, all the cool things that they get, uh, and so you see that, and a lot of times that drives us down a negative path where we start feeling like, oh, I'm less than, or I can't, I'll never be able to make it up to that. Or you start comparing yourself. Oh, this, this such and such person did this. Why is this not opening up for me? I'm grinding, I'm doing this, blah, blah, blah. And I think even for me, I got into that point uh, earlier, earlier on when I was out here in LA, you know, connecting and networking, you know, I'm going to auditions and I'm trying to grow my skill sets and trying to get booked for jobs and trying to break out into my career. And you start seeing everybody else that, you know, you maybe, maybe might be people that you see at auditions or whatever, or on different projects. And you start to see them taking off and things happening for them and all these opportunities and they're showcasing this and that, this and that. And you start to get, you start to get jaded a little bit. And I remember I get so frustrated because I'd see people just blowing up left and right. And I'm like, man, I'm over here hustling. I'm grinding. I'm doing research. I'm practicing. I'm doing, I'm doing every single possible thing in order to elevate. And I'm still sitting here broke with no opportunities, you know, just, just struggling to make it by. 
And, and we, we get into that mode where we compare ourselves so much. And I think it took me really kind of stepping away for a little bit and finding a community, finding a whole different community that I can better connect with. Uh, and that didn't, that wasn't based on, oh, this person's doing such and such, but now, hey, this is something that I can provide for people. And I think making that shift helped me so much in my mindset of what success really meant. And like I said, it's not always about the money. Uh, it's not always about the fame and everything like that, but it's about doing what you care about and doing what you love. And I'm a firm believer for sure that if you focus on what you do and you even like, especially people that are going into school and college and getting a degree, go what you enjoy doing. Don't just go towards what you think is going to make you money because you, I, feel, I firmly believe you'll be able to find a way to be fruitful and financially successful by doing whatever path it is that you really truly care about because it'll help you stay creative, it'll help you keep you focused, it'll help you keep innovating and thinking about new ways and new lanes that you can pursue within that uh, area that you're focusing on. Uh, and I always think about that when I first went into college, I wanted to be a wildlife biologist. That was really my goal. Engineering was kind of an afterthought, but everybody was like, you got to go engineering. That's where the money's at. That's where the money's at. Electrical engineering, mechanical engineering, that's where you're going to find success. Like, what are you going to be doing? Sitting out in the jungle and trees, looking at animals. You're not going to make any money doing that. Uh, and so, so that was kind of my whole thought of like, okay, I'm going to go into engineering. I'll go environmental, civil. That will kind of at least get me some of the environmental elements that I still like or whatever. But then kind of full circle now doing this hip hop science platform, a lot of my content is wildlife biology related because that's where I just intrinsically have a connection and love for you know and uh, and now I'm have opportunities to go on wildlife expeditions and working with different biologists marine scientists doing all this like crazy cool wildlife biology work and it's kind of crazy to see how that's come full circle now really going after what it is that you love when you actually go after it with a purpose and with a passion. So I think that's really important for people to realize you really have to trust in yourself and firmly believe that if you really love this, you'll find a way to be successful at it. I agree 100%. And to go off something you said, you know, you know, feeling jaded, right? Because you haven't made it. So I, you know, like, very recently, I've been getting like higher, higher numbers, you know, like very recently, I've been like, like, like starting to like see a really high upward trend. But like before I would just be like, damn, like, man, like I would always tell myself, it's not about the listeners, but like at some point you want to have some people who care about you thing and listen, like I had a good amount, but like you want, you want to, you want a decent amount. And I would, I would always see those people on, on TikTok. I'm like, why are these people so famous? And at some point it clicked in my head, you know, instead of complaining about where I'm at, why don't you just ask them to be a guest, you know? And, and, and like, so like recently I, I I've seen about every time I see someone on TikTok who I think is dope, really interesting. I reach out to them. I DM them. I say, Hey, this is my show. You can check it out. I just bring people on. I have a long, interesting conversation with them. We just talk and then, yeah. And a lot of them reply be like, they're really cool people. And they're like, yeah, I would love to do that. And we have a long form conversation. They turn out to be friends of mine. And it's like, instead of being jaded about your circumstances, like you said, make it so you, you can win out, you know, like make it so those people who you're jealous of are your friends now and that's your community or do some content that you think people haven't done before. Because I think a lot of why when you're just starting out, you don't get a lot of fans 
is because when you start out, who are you, who are you sending the stuff to? Your friends. You're posting to your accounts that only have your friends. And they don't want to see you win. They really don't. Unless they're your really <laughs> close circle, the people that you know from your, what your city, they don't want to see you win because it just makes them feel it's, – it's not that they actually hate you. It's because they hate themselves intrinsically because they think they should be doing better than they are. And so I think, you know – why not win out? You know, why not take that energy and use it for something positive instead of just yeah. adding to the negativity circle that everyone is feeling in this social media era? Mm-hmm. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, and that's and that that that's really important, right? And that's changing the narrative, right? Taking that that narrative that you may have instilled in yourself and finding a way to flip it. And sometimes it's just as simple as that. You know, it, that, that's great that you had that 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 switch came for you early on sometimes it takes people years or decades to be able to figure out what that switch is but yeah i think that's important to really think about what is restricting you or what negative thing you're focusing on and sometimes that let's say i for anybody that's out there that's really like organization minded or logical minded sometimes it takes like writing these things down and I, I think that's a great suggestion for some people that have to visually see how that process works. It could be as simple as writing down, hey, these are the things I like. These are the things I'm good at. And then maybe another list of these are the things that frustrate me. These are the things that make me feel like maybe doubt myself. And sometimes you have to really be honest about it, too. Sometimes we don't. Sometimes people just aren't honest with themselves. And I think having this kind of conversation is great because, yeah, we go through that struggle, especially as creators that you're trying to elevate you see other people doing great things you don't want to be a hater like nobody wants to be a hater but at some point you have a feeling because you want to succeed right you want to be able to step up and you want to be able to have opportunities come in for you you want to elevate yourself financially you want to put yourself into a different category and nobody creates content just so you can be able to just sit and stare at yourself right you you made this for people to watch you're not you're not doing this podcast so that, you know, you could just like record this and then just throw it into your digital file and then just have that sitting there so you can just replay at different times of your life. You want to you want people to engage with this. You want people to learn something. And so, yeah, then you don't want to focus on the numbers, but the numbers are an indicator of how of how well you're doing in whatever lane you're in. So I think that's the important thing to remember when you're thinking about the numbers or as creators. Yeah, you don't focus on it, but it is a tool to really showcase, hey, this is the reach. This is how, this is why this is important and to really be able to hone in onto that. And I think it becomes a lot easier, obviously, once you start building the numbers and you start seeing that growth to continue to want to do it. But having to stick with it as you're going through those dry points where you're spending months and years of people not really engaging with your content, you but you know at your core, like this is something that's important and this is means something and this is bringing value in some certain way. You got to work your way through those humps and stick with it. But it's important to the core to really know what type of value am I bringing? Why do people need this content? Why is this important? And that makes it so much easier to be able to stick with it and then be able to develop stuff to really be able to assist in that growth. I really like what you're saying, too, because I think pod, especially my podcast, it's kind of a cheat code because it's like the numbers like matter, but they really don't because there's of two reasons. One, it's like. I want to make content specifically because I want people to be able to have the conversations that I get to have. You know, I, I want people to get to listen and talk to the people that I get to talk to because I get to talk to people of all different backgrounds, of all different expertise, people with hundreds of thousands of followers, millions of followers, and a lot of people don't get to do that. So that's one of the – it became an 
a benefit, I don't know, like recently kind of that like I want people to be able to have these interactions like I am having while also like it makes it like helps me get smarter 100%. Like I'm talking to all these people and it gives me connections. So it's like numbers aside, I get connections and I get ability for long conversations to be to be out and and for people to have these conversations as well. You know, I get to help my community too, my friends, the people who do listen to me, demanders, I call them. Um, And so, you know, numbers aside too, the cool thing about my podcast is that, but 100% what you're saying is true. It's like, yeah, like to go off the numbers, it's like, yeah, numbers, like we can say they don't matter, but it is an avenue to show you how you're doing well or how you're doing not. And that's why I don't like when, how like, they took off the dislikes because like dislikes is like, yeah, it hurts, yeah. but it's like, it shows you like what I don't want it to affect like your content getting out there, but it, it does show you like what people like and what people don't like, you know, it helps you get better yeah. at your Avenue. Um, yeah. that, that you bring up, I, I was really, cause there, there are a couple of YouTubers that I follow, like MKBHD did a segment about that. I don't know if you follow MKBHD, but he's, he's, big tech guy he does a lot of like phone mm. reviews and different tech reviews in general and it's then that some other people did some video content around that and that that was really an interesting thing that i think kind of quickly got overlooked i think people just kind of quickly just moved on from it and just kind of dealt with. but you think about that right there's there's a value from knowing what is good and what isn't that's mm. why we before we go to eat at a restaurant we look at the yelp reviews we read through there what did people like about the food what didn't they like if you're going to go stay at a hotel, you look at the, you know, we're going to go stay to some two-star hotel and, and you know, you, you go to a four-star hotel because it's reviewed well, it has this, it's cleanliness, whatever, and you have, you're able to make an informed decision about whether or not you're going to invest your money or your time into that, uh, uh, into the, uh, that platform, whatever. And I think the same thing uh, goes well with, with, especially YouTube. I think YouTube is the only one that's kind of taking that off. But you go to YouTube as a space where you go to learn. People are learning about different skills. People are learning about different things around the world. They're learning about news. So many different things that YouTube provides. And if you don't have some sort of rating process to be able to see, hey, this is what people are gravitating towards as I go through a search. And this is why people like this or this is a video. Because you can quickly tell if something has way more dislikes and like this is probably some, a video that it's not worth my time and energy watching. But now that's been taken away from us, and that's kind of the whole review process being eliminated. And I think there's a there's an incredible value to having that. But I think that all stemmed from from we're in this space now where everybody's so cautious about like trolling and you know yeah. comments and all these different things. We're so focused on the negative side that we don't realize that negative like the negative also brings a lots of positives because it helps kind of you know you're always going to have people that are going to troll and say whatever or just hit a dislike just because but that shouldn't dictate us from having a better fundamental understanding of what's important and what brings value yeah i think that is super negative um a friend of mine now he's actually kind of a mentor to me now uh julian dory is the host of the trendifier podcast really dope dude um but he uh was telling me that he posts because he posts these really dope shorts and clips on his tiktok and stuff and he was telling me that he posted one about Operation Paperclip. Do you know what Operation Paperclip is? Mm-hmm. Oh, that let me let me tell you. Um, Operation Paperclip was it's it's one hundred percent confirmed. It's after World War II. Um, we were immediately worried about the Soviet Union. All right, and so we went over and 
basically stole half the Nazi scientists and the Soviet Union took half the Nazi scientists um, because of uh, nuclear power, right? And instead of us throwing them inside of prison, which we should have done, we, they became like, they had a new outlook on life here. They, they got to be free. Warner von Braun was like a head was the head of NASA and he is was a like a high-ranked Nazi. And so these these Nazi officials got to be engineers in the United States and effectively put us on the moon. And so that was called Operation Paperclip, which the CIA held for a long time. But basically it was us stealing the Nazis. But the point of the story is he made a clip about that, just explaining to people what it was, right? And and he the way he said it was like, if you're making an informative video about World War II, you're probably and Nazis, you're probably going to show Nazis at some point. Cause you know, in like those clips, they like, they'll be talking and then it'll go to like an, um, uh, like a movie kind of clip, you know? Um, and, and in those Nazis, you're probably going to show a swastika on there cause they're Nazis. And so they removed his video for ex- the exact opposite of what it was. They removed it for white supremacy because it's the algorithm doing it. It's not the, it's not people watching the video when he's just explaining to these people, this was a horrible thing that America did. No one talks about it. And they removed it for white supremacy. And that's just bad, dude. That's just bad, bad, bad. Like, yeah, we don't want real Nazis on here. Like, like just saying bad things, right? But just to inform people about things that happened after World War II and atrocious things that America did and atrocious things that other people did in an informative sense, and you know, in a, in a historical sense, you got to be able to do that, dude. Like you, you, you can't just have an algorithm strike you down every time you're talking about a Nazi because it's like those people did exist and those people's grandchildren still exist in Argentina. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, that's, that's, that's really true. And that, that brings up a greater discussion about censorship how, yeah censorship uh how you know algorithms are designed uh you know anytime anytime you search for something on google you're going to get fed what it is that you're already hoping to find in a way yeah. and 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 that that and that can be propaganda it can be all sorts of different things because everything's digital everything's digital but it's curated in a way to you're going to continue to feed into what it is that you want to or are already interested in finding and you're not really going to gain that unique perspective of everything that you need and a lot of times we think about that just from the sense of of things that you brought up right like white supremacy and racism obviously we don't we you got to filter out that type of stuff on there but the other side of it is there are certain things that are also get filtered out that people need to understand. You know, if you could, if it's something about race and, and, uh, and diversity inclusion, but you're not talking about what really happened in slavery and what really happened, you know, in the, in the, in the U S in the early 1900s and things that really affected black and brown communities to another level. Right. And we thought we have, we, what, there's a big conversation, uh, around, uh, education around like race theory and stuff in schools and people are so like up in arms like no I don't want my kids to be exposed to what happened in slavery and 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 and, and why uh, why black people didn't have opportunities that was in the past and blah blah and I don't want my kids to feel like they're less than or feel like they assisted in all that but there's an importance of that the, the at the crux of it is you want to be able to expose kids and students to the realism of what happened to the real history of America. And you can't talk about the history of America without talking about racism, without talking about slavery, because that's what, that was the foundation of the United States. That's how the U S was built. 
And if you negate all that and you just talk about the positives or you talk about it from a specific time frame moving forward, you eliminate a whole discussion, a whole uh, learning period, a uh, foundational learning period for students to understand how the world works, why certain things are the way they are, why the government, why the constitution is like it is, why certain people, why there's lower class, upper class, all these different things stemmed from the original sins of like the U.S. in general, and so that's kind of the conversation when you, when people are talking about race theory that you get gets eliminated because if you are trying to now pretty much throw away and debunk a whole session segment of the world's history of the, of the U.S. history that was true and authentic and though unfortunate actually happened, and you're not going to educate students about that. That's that's terrible. That's you, you, you. There has to be a level of authenticity and awareness on all levels historically about good and the bad mm -hmm. for you to be able to make an informed decision as a person. I think to to go off of that, I think what you know, despite everyone's political beliefs nowadays, I think what everyone should be striving for is truth. Truth about what happened and truth about what's going on. You know, I don't like. I don't like anybody being, you know, having their freedom of speech taken away unless they're really like just, you know, saying dumb at like you shouldn't be able to say bomb on a plane and shit like that, you know, obviously. <laughs> Past that. But I think truth is what people want to strive for. I don't like propaganda. I don't like, you know, people being censored. I think that, you know, if you find if you're talking about something important, chances are you're going to disagree. You know, people are, people are fundamentally different. And that disagreement has to be, one, has to be um, not violent, I guess is the, is the term. It has to be allowed. It has to be a, like a discourse almost. You know, it has to be a, a disagreement, not like a violent revolution. Versus, and then it also has to be, you have to be willing to listen. And I don't think a lot of people are willing to listen. Now people follow the accounts they want to follow. Like if you're right wing, you follow... I don't know, like Stephen Crowder or Ben Shapiro. If you're left wing, you follow CNN, the Young Turks, and, and that's all you watch, right? Mm. And it's like, you know, there is strength in listening to people you disagree with because you can learn something. You're, you're not subject to the mind of other people that you listen to. You're not subject to what you believe at that current time. Part of being an American citizen has always been striving to be better, right? And I think we forget about that and stuff like that is we want to be better. You know, I hope, I hope everybody wants, wants to be better. I think that's why we're having these dis disagreements nowadays. I think is we, we, there are a lot of fucked up things that are now coming to light and things like that. But I think what we should all agree on, what everyone should agree on is there is a way forward that is better for all people. And that's where we should be fighting to go towards. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, I, I would hope fundamentally everybody wants to be better. <laughs> I, think, yeah. I, I think the problem is what do, what do you consider better? <laughs> I, think that's, yeah. I think that's at the heart of it because better for us maybe completely different than better for somebody else. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> and that's, that's, that's where disconnect is. But no, you're right. At the end of the day, it, it's, it, it's important that things are voiced and that you have an understanding of all sorts of different perspectives. Uh, you, you can't just simply watch what already feeds your own narrative because you're only going to be driven by your own narrative and you're not going to be able to know why somebody thinks from a different perspective. And I always like having those discussions with people that have a different, I remember I had, um, uh, I can't remember this was this, well, I think it was probably the end of 2020 at, uh, through this one platform, I had this sit down with a flat earther and it was like a <laughs> drinking game. And we did this whole drinking game 
to find what we had in common. Mm-hmm. And that was actually one of my most interesting conversations that I'd probably ever had digitally uh, on, on any platform, just because one, at the end of the day, when coming into it, you already have your mindset of, oh, I'm, gonna, I'm about to speak to a flatter that this guy's about to be stupid. No, no knowledge, not able to articulate anything, whatever. I found him to be an actually like good individual, a good hearted person that came from a good space that, you know, wanted to, that wanted the truth and foundationally was a caring and knowledgeable individual, uh, but just had a, just had a very different perspective on, on the world, literally. Right. And, and, but it was interesting to be able to find the commonalities that we had uh, because it really shaped my understanding of why did he think like this? What drove this narrative in his head that earth is still flat? Why does he have this form of thinking? And the, the conversation wasn't focused on me trying to prove my point of why I'm right. And it wasn't him trying to prove himself about why he's right, but really just getting to a fundamental understanding of where each other was coming from and what shaped our beliefs and why we felt so strongly in our beliefs. And I think if we have more discussions around that, of understanding why somebody feels a certain way, what life circumstances led them to their values or led them to their frame of thinking, what you know, situations may have happened in their upbringing, in their life, their family or whatever. Once we start having a fundamental understanding of people as individuals and knowing that experiences shape each and every one of us, that helps us have a better fundamental understanding of why we think the way we do. And I think getting to those roots is really important. You know, to go off of that, um, something I thought about when you were talking about algorithms and I wanted to get your opinion on and is how do you feel about what's going on with Facebook or meta now in the metaverse and what, and what digital reality is going to be in the future? Yeah, I, I think it's interesting. I think this was always the, this was always the destiny in a way, even when, when you think about when the origins of Facebook, when Facebook started having this platform where you can connect with anybody anywhere in the world uh, and share your stories, share what's happening in your life and feel connected to that person. That was the whole goal of Facebook, right? That was, that was at the core of what, and even, even social media in general was to be able to connect with people that you wouldn't normally see face-to-face in different environments uh, all across the world to be able to share your experiences, tell stories in different ways and to be able to feel more connected. And as we continue to grow, connectivity is at the key of everything. Internet, what do we try to thrive for? We try to get the goal for internet is continue to get faster, continue to get more power, more speed in everything that we're doing. Computers, the whole goal is to get more connected, get faster, make processing speeds more quicker so that we can be able to edit things, so we can be able to watch videos, so we can stream all sorts of different things. Everything is fueled by connectivity and speed and how the, the ease of use of everything. And so the whole metaverse, in a way, it was, it was always a destiny from technology, from technology's upbringing, right? To be able to connect with so many different people in different ways, quicker, faster, easier. And now we're just doing it in, uh, in an actual organized digital space. Right now, in a way, if you think about it, We've been in the metaverse already. The metaverse is just reality, right? Reality is just what we exist in. The fact that we're doing this podcast right now, 
this this technically is a metaverse because we're connecting digitally. It's just a, a just a uh, what platform that we're using to be able to make that digital connection. Right now, we're using Zoom and we're connecting on this podcast. That's how we're communicating. If you're on a Google Meet virtual stream, you're communicating through that metaphor metaverse format, which is just that uh, vessel that you're using to be able to stream with somebody. If you're on your, uh, you're on your Amazon Kindle, or if you're on your FaceTime on your phone or whatever, these are all metaverses technically, which are just digital platforms that you're using to be able to connect with somebody that you're not physically interacting with in person. So technically we've already been there. Now this organized platform, this organized space that we're considering as a place where people can now buy property and have experiences and stuff is just now a separate platform that is more dedicated to hosting that and having that connected experience uh, thrive even better and faster and quicker and and uh, with more opportunities of doing other things. But so, but we've technically already been there. That's always been the, kind of the route. Now that we are now that it's front and center. And we're, we know how to capitalize off of it. And we know how to strategically create these different experiences through an organized platform. Now that's when it starts to get interesting because now everybody is like, oh, this is legit <laughs> here. And this is something that we're dealing with. But I think this is always the destiny. This is always the path that it was going to go into. And we've already kind of been there, whether we knew it or not. You want to hear something dope that I want to do in the metaverse when it becomes like a real thing? Mm-hmm. I want to do if I'm still doing this podcast because who knows, right? Who knows? I I want to do it in like a in with like VR. So like we'll be sitting in a studio in the metaverse, but like you, you don't have to be in the same area. You can just link up in the metaverse to do the podcast. Mm-hmm. That'd be dope. That would be dope. That would be dope. And that's and that's and that's the next layer, in a way, because VR the combination that's. That's, it's interesting how both have developed over time. We've mm-hmm. had VR technology for, for a while now. We've been doing VR work for a But now fusing it with an organized platform where you can step into it now and be able to have a, a, physical, a physical interaction within a digital space, that's that next level. So I think that's, that's where things are going to go, where we have this podcast and yeah, we don't have to sit here and look at each other through the digital screen, we could actually be next to each other, dab each other up, whatever, uh, depending on how immersive these experiences get, you might be able to feel the environment that we're in, you know, hear the noises and what's surrounding us, all these different things that will make you feel more connected within that space. But that's definitely the lane. And I think that's where things are going to go. You think about sports, sports applications, they already kind of do that in a way. Oh, did I say no, you're good. You're good. You're oh, okay. good. Oh, no, I thought you said something. <laughs> no, you're good. Yeah, in sports applications, they already kind of do that in a way. They have, uh, I think I think it was at uh, uh, the Warrior Stadium, Golden State uh, Warriors, at their stadium, they have an interactive, they have interactive, uh, I can't remember what the platform is called, but you can, it's basically a virtual thing. You can, you can watch the game from home being courtside and you can actually sit like you're courtside at the game uh, and it's through a whole VR experience. And it's really just the camera that's set up at that seat location live. 
and you are acquiring that feed. And so you have your VR goggles on, it has three 360 degree cameras in there. And so you feel connected. You can turn around, you can see fans behind you. You can see what's good action that's going on on the court. You can hear everything like you're there in real time, but you're sitting at the comfort of your home. And that's going to be the next <laughs> way. If you think about watching football, watching all these other sports, sporting events, you can be at the game without literally being at the game. You can be interacting with fans, but you're just sitting here literally on your couch, having that elevated type of experience. And that creates so many dope opportunities that can be really amazing. Yes, the, the fear is that we lose this true interpersonal connection because at the end of the day, you're still sitting at home. You're not really there physically to be able to have that kind of authentic experience. But we do that already through social media where we interact with everybody. We do all these different things, but we're not physically there. And social media is driving so many different things that we're doing from marketing to business to all sorts of different things. We're already there in that lane already. So whether we like it or not, it's something that we have to embrace. We have to do it cautiously, but it's something that we have to embrace because it's here. It's not going anywhere. And the future is going to continue to transform in that direction. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, if it, if it lets more people have dope experiences, you know, more power, more power to it. I think the dangers associated with it are more about like, you know, young people younger than me people who are growing up with their lives already on the phones and then people who are you know being born right now will there come a time where their lives are completely online you know and that's a tough one because it seems like we're almost already there like most people like especially teenagers and stuff like you they're always on their phones you know and and isn't that technically living online isn't that, you know, not experiencing reality? I just worry, like, I had so, so many dope experiences, like playing basketball at the park, you know, doing real things, you know, going to games. I hope that still exists, you know. I hope that it's not more important to go do these things in the metaverse. I hope it's still, like, the experience matters in real reality. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I, I, t I totally agree. And I, like, I'm, I'm in an interesting millennium age group from – going like from knowing what it was like pre-phones to when we didn't have phones to, to having phones uh to when we you know bef before we were all utilizing you know computers like we do now having that kind of transformation of understanding hey this is what this was what life experiences were like this is what it was like when we go play outside and we had to come home before the street lights went off right that was having that perspective there's there's a fundamental like just humanistic uh, element to it that you can't mimic in any other type of environment. That authenticity of just experiences around you and understanding and embracing all of those elements. Uh, and I think that's something that we, yeah, we have to keep in mind. And I think finding a balance is important. Uh, and I'm, I, I could imagine being a parent right now, having like a kid and then having to like show them a, or finding a, a way to, for them to balance their day-to-day -day lives, stepping away from your phone, giving them phone time and all these different things, you know, that the, those were things that for, you know, I was growing up fundamentally, we just did. We just go outside and we play. We, we, we use our, we actually use our imagination. <laughs> if you think about that, I don't know how much kids use their imagination necessarily now because they have access to so much information but I came in the day when we didn't have access to him. Like we had to go find stuff in the encyclopedia or the dictionary. We had to use physical tools to be able to find. So most of the time we had to use our imagination to be able to create our own experiences, to create our own fun, 
sit and playing with Legos and actually pretend that some scenario was going on. We didn't have a game that just mimicked whatever scenario already. We had to actually create things in our mind. And I think for me, that's an interesting perspective to see just how imaginative the future can be with our youth as it continues to grow. Yes, imagination can shift. It's obviously going to shift more into what's into this digital space, but that shaping of that imagination is very unique depending on how or where it develops from. And that's where it's going to be interesting to really see how that really articulates uh, uh, in the future. Definitely, dude. Like I, I used to play so much with Legos and when my friends came over, we used to make up these games outside these fake sports. Like we used to, it was like, so, it was soccer. This one game I remember playing was soccer hockey and football mix and we had these sticks and we would hit the like a little soccer ball into the goal and and like you can only have like a couple dribbles and i remember making that game up and i would and i would the cool thing about it was though like i would always play with legos and action figures right like that was like my that was my thing i never got immersed in in into like video games well video games like i can't like the first xbox i guess i had the ps2 and a ds when i was pretty young like 10 but I mean, that's still like, that's still like pretty advanced, but I didn't really play them. But I, what I did do, I remember doing was I would make little movies with like Legos and stuff, you know, and, and action figures and make them, you know, just being a little dweeb, you know? Um, yeah. And so the cool thing is it'll be cool for young little kids to be creative and, and be immersive with their friends and stuff like that. And what I hope is that young kids can have like interactions with kids all over the world, you know, like, you know, kids in Africa, kids in Asia, kids in Europe, kids in Argentina, in South America, kids in Central America, kids in Canada, kids in Nevada, they can all play online together. Um, and, and, and maybe that will unite, you know, unite us some more, you know, if kids get to hang out together, cause kids don't care about oh, race, yeah. about sex, about gender. They don't care about any of that shit. They just want to play. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, dude, I remember going to like one of the VR places where you put like the pack on and the glasses on when it was very early. Like I'm talking, I was in high school probably. And I did a Darth Vader one or like a Star Wars one. And I did like this demon one. And I remember thinking, whole like it wasn't great. It wasn't ready yet. They were like, it was like, it was demos. But I remember thinking, I was like, when they figure this shit out, this is going to be insane, dude. Because it's like, they, I remember looking at the hands and they would always glitch. But I was like, if you figure out how to like, immerse yourself in there like mm -hmm. what why come out you know why why if you can feel the like, sense total recall yeah. <laughs> well did you see totally ready like, player one i have not seen ready player one no, yeah that's see, you gotta watch mm -hmm. that and like not really a spoiler but they they had like vr and they had like a four-way treadmill that they like played on and it was like it, it looks it's looking like it's it we're going down that path you know Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, that's 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 really the next level. And I think I I, I look back at, at movies like Total Recall. That was pretty much metaverse, right? You'd have people that would pay to be able to jump into this this created system that they can be whoever they wanted to be. They can physically interact with their environment, with people in that environment, uh, do whatever it is that they wanted to do. It could be devious acts. It could be fun acts. Whatever it is that you wanted to get into, you can do that in this in in this metaverse thing. And I think VR VR really opened the doors for that because, like you said, the early ones early on, you you knew okay, this is still kind of shifty. You're not feeling really connected. But like, well, I was like, I think a couple months ago, I went and did this VR thing at this 
one spot and it was the one where you you actually sit inside uh i don't even know what the, the, the thing they call it but they they, they they strap you down inside and you're able to move your feet uh, along the floor like you're running experience running but you can actually uh you have everything just held in space so you don't have to worry about you know falling out or whatever but you have their full goggles and this it's literally fully immersive you feel right in that environment you can turn in all angles you can run you do everything and i remember getting done with this and being out of breath being scared because we're over here shooting zombies you're in the dark you're walking through different things you're opening up doors and you feel like you're literally there and that's such a, an amazing experience to be able to now be taken into another world. And we've all, we all crave that already as it is, right? We, we watch, you watch movies, all these, so you, you watch, you enjoy movies that you get, you sucked in the suspense. That's why you gravitate towards those different things, sports. So all these different things are suspenseful where you feel like you're right there in the action. That's what really drives us and motivates us. And that's, what's really going to spearhead this next wave of technology that really opens and expands this new metaverse. I think that's going to be interesting to see how that transforms. Do you think there's going to be like a, a world where it's like half basket, like it's like 2k in the metaverse and it's like these VR things, but it's like an actual sport. Like people strap in in the best video game immersive basketball players play in the metaverse and you sit courtside if you're not that good and you watch it because like people watch um gamers nowadays and people watch the real sport if you merge those together and create a whole new sport mm -hmm. oh yeah you could you could and you can and you can actually that 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 would be a perfect lane for people like myself who love to play football but i'm too small for football i would never i would, I would never actually make it out in the football field but put me on a virtual football field i might <laughs> see exactly i might, I, I, I might look like i might look like uh what, what's to do the march chase out there i'm the others juking doing whatever you know like that could that could really open the possibilities for uh whatever it is that you that you experiences that you may not be able to do in your own physical space now be able to open that up in this metaverse lane and like you said that could create that could maybe be a new sports league <laughs> that opens up where now you're a meta athlete i don't know <laughs> like <laughs> you're a meta athlete you, you know, signed a meta <laughs> yeah <laughs> exactly you could be snowboarding skateboarding whatever it is and they might have competitions for people that are skilled in that space because that that will it will be a realistic skill to be able to do that just like you have gamers. You think about that. You have gaming competitions, right? That are huge all across the globe. People compete in games from all, all sorts of different types of games and the the the, the uh uh to uh individual games to like what's the, what's the big gaming one um uh, that that's a popular one. What's, what's the name of the one that they that they do tournaments and stuff all, all, all across the globe? It's ah, what's the name of it? it? Can't come to me right now. But you have all these different you have all these different games uh that you, you do competitively and that's how it's not gonna be any different than being in a metaverse and being an athlete playing whatever sports saying, and having yeah. that certain skill it's, yeah. that's it, that could be where we go who knows speaking of like experiences you know just like without all the senses have you ever done something called dining in the dark i've wanted to go i was actually supposed to go uh on a date uh uh what was it like i think it was like last year the place was booked to whatever and we couldn't get in and uh and then just it just never worked out timing wise but they have like a couple of them out here in la where it's yeah dining in the dark and it's supposed to be this heightened experience because you Bro. can't see the food 
which to me, like, I don't know. I don't know how I felt. I was interested to go. I still want to do it. But there's an interesting element because half of, like, your taste, half of the experience, too, is seeing food. You yeah. can see food on TV or see food in front, and you're like, damn, that looks good. Like, I'm about to kill this food because you see it looks juicy. And then the flavor experience, like, reiterates that. But if you're not able to see the food and you're just tasting it, I don't know. I don't know if my senses will be necessarily heightened or not. I really, I really want to actually experience it. Have you experienced it? Yeah, bro. When I tell you that was the craziest fucking experience I've ever been in, you walk in and you're, you, ha- you can see nothing. I'm talking, it's pitch black, but you can hear people laughing and eating. You walk in with your hands on the person in front of you's shoulders. They sit you down. And like, as you're walking in, when you sit down, you feel like kind of nauseous and you feel sick and you kind of feel like, what the fuck's going on? And then a- after a little bit, like maybe five minutes, it like goes away and you're immersed in the experience. And it's so crazy. Like you, it's like, it was so insane. Like I, I was... I was like sitting there and I, and I was like, you can't see anything. You can kind of see a little like dot from their, the waiter's night vision goggles walk around, but you can't see the table. You can't see the person sitting next to you or in front of you. And when the food comes out, you like, you don't know how to eat it. And it's like, and, and you start eating it. You don't know if the food's at and you can taste better. You can smell better. And the, and the food's good. I mean, the place I went was all the vegan stuff. So it was, it, they didn't cook with any meat or anything, but it was crazy, dude. They, just the experience. You just laugh. You have a good time, but like for like five minutes, you feel like you're going crazy and you feel like nauseous for a second. And you get like, all right, you just kind of accept that you're not going to be able to see anything for the next hour and a half. And you're just going to eat food. But dude, I, I feel like everyone should do it because you can't explain it. Like, it's so crazy. It makes you like your brain starts working in a different way. And I, and I don't know if that's how blind people feel, but like I like your brain starts acting like you, you start thinking with different parts of your brain and you start interacting and it, it's a wild experience, man. That'd be that be it that'd be funny to actually go on a blind date at <laughs> at a blind restaurant. How crazy would that be? That should be a TV show. Huh? That should Is be it, a TV show. It's really a TV show? No, it should be. Oh yeah, yeah. I was about to say, I was like, damn, they check everything. <laughs> but no, that would that would be actually really you you meet your blind date at yeah. this restaurant. And you'd watch them in VR. You're, 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 they're sitting across from you. But no, no, this would be actual in person. Like you do that like you like you like you did. Mm-hmm. You just meet your blind date at this location and you guys have this dinner. You can't see each other. You're but that could that could really open the door for like to, interesting conversation mm-hmm. experiences. like you said your your body naturally adjusts i think that's the crazy thing about us as humans mm-hmm. is that biologically our bodies adjust so blind people it's amazing to watch a blind person navigate they can hear everything around them they know exactly what's in their environment how to navigate through things and you watch them you're like oh damn they know exactly where they're going they're they're doing it with ease because their brain is now switched to master all these other skills and utilize these other skills that we may not pay attention to or focus our sense of smell. You think about dogs, how dogs get around and do stuff now they find their way home because they have a strong sense of smell. All these things like you couldn't imagine getting lost and utilizing your, <laughs> utilizing your nose to find your way back to your location, right? No, you no. get to throw on your, you're going to throw on your Google maps and, and find your way back. But, all these different things are senses that could be heightened if something was stripped away. And so you bring up a good point that that would be 
that that's the whole reason, right? To really increase that flavor sensation because you're so much more connected to the food because you've shut off all of these other senses that normally distract you from what's actually in front of you. So yeah, that'd be, that, that, that'd be interesting. That would be a great, I need to write that. I need to write that and script that out before somebody takes that. Yeah, I, no, for I real. Show at a dark restaurant. <laughs> and here's the thing though. Would you show them a picture of their blind date before they went on? Because no. here's the thing. Well, cause here's the thing. You can take it two routes. You could be like, all right, they can't see them. And then we'll see what they think they looked like. Or you could do, you show them a picture of them. And then after the date, you say, um, Cause like if, if they know what you look like from a picture, they'll guess what you're doing and what you look like while you're doing it. But if they don't know anything, then they would guess entirely the race, the gen, like they would guess entirely. So yeah. I feel like you could take it either way, you know? Yeah. I think it would be better to, to, yeah. Cause if you, if you have a visual of what they look like, then that already negates one sense, right? Because now you're like, you're in your head, you're picturing this person and you're picturing you know the, the every, everything that a person like that would say mm-hmm. versus if you had no collection of no idea of what what race they were uh, you know like their height anything about them then you're just making just educated guesses based on your conversation and you don't even have to at the, and then that would be that's what would drive the actual interesting dialogue because yeah. you're not going to ask them directly oh what race are you but you're going to just try to find that out naturally by communicating with them and learning about their experiences and where they've been and where they grew up and all these other things and it could it could be like a it could be like a, a uh like one of those games where maybe you go maybe you do three dates with with somebody mm-hmm. and then you and you choose which one was your best or what your favorite or whatever and then it and then once you choose it it reveals <laughs> the lights come on it reveals to you who your date was <laughs> you know what else you could do here here's my pitch to you you could have like three different groups right a man to like you know three different dates and then after the date each person goes to a sketch artist like one of the three goes to a sketch artist and they 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 talk with the sketch artist and they have to guess what their date looked like. And whoever's closest gets like the prize, whatever mm-hmm. like, group is closest. I like that. I like that too. You know now, I mean? Yeah. Now you get this other interactive element to it. Yeah. Where you are now trying to piece together everything that you learned about this person. Yeah. Into a, a visual of who that person is. But That's you couldn't like on the date, you can't ask like what race they are. You can't ask like if they have a beard, if they have long hair. You can't ask that. You just have to specifically guess on who they are as like at through dialogue. Mm-hmm. I like that. I like that. That's a good one. That's a good one. We we need it. Yeah, we need to produce. <laughs> all right, <laughs> man. We're getting that idea. You know how dude. it is right now with all this reality TV. Um, for real. I'm sure somebody's already scripting that. I'm sorry, it's in produ- I'm sure it's in pre-production yeah. right now. We're That's probably going to see some idea, ad. Dude. We're going to see some ad tomorrow on on, <laughs> on that would some piss network. me off. That would piss me <laughs> off. <laughs> kind of like you know how they do with all the uh all the singing shows. Uh, you have like the, yeah. the the masked singer and all the, and now they have that other like not they have that that other spin-off of the masked singer now where it's it, it's yeah it's it's something that's based off of just their, their well they had their voice well they had the voice that was based that was also too the say that went from the singing competition to now you have the voice then you have the mass singer then the the dancer you have this evolution of these things like oh how little can we know and what can we guess about this person in this type of format but the the actual dating portion would be very interesting. It, it could be the bachelor, but the blind bachelor. The blind like, bachelor. Everything is everything is in the dark. You have no idea what these girls look like. 
<laughs> Bro. But all right, man, we're getting close to the time anyway. Is there anything you want to finish with? Anything you want to say? Last words? Man, no, there's always interesting conversations, man. It's always good to just kind of, uh, you know, shoot different dialogue, man, and, and, and just kind of think about the, the what ifs of, mm. of, of everything and uh, kind of share these experiences. Hopefully this is of, of interesting value to uh, your viewers and uh, listeners uh, tuning in. But no, I think I think kind of to sum up everything that we that we talked about. I mean, we talked about a lot, but uh, you know, I always uh, I always leave my viewers on my platforms with my um, stay my stating. I have two different statements. I was like, curiosity is nature's PhD. Uh, never stop asking questions, right? And I think for me, especially now as we navigate through the social media lane, there's so many different experiences to learn, so many different things to find out about, we have access to everything. And a lot of times we forget that we just got to embrace this and find, and this is the new mechanism of us digesting information. Uh, but there's this whole new world to explore out there. And it's really valuable to really see from different people's perspectives, be in other people's shoes, experience different cultures. I think it's important. You brought up something that, was, that I thought was really great when it comes to kids, having you know, kids having a platform to be able to connect with other kids all across the globe having that kind of cultural uh, diversity in life is really experience is really uh, important to be able to have a profound knowledge about where people come from, why people act a certain way, what really shapes people's beliefs in all sorts of different areas. Uh, I think the more and more connected we can get on that level, especially as we embrace this whole metaverse and everything like that, the more that we can really get uh, to another level of embracing cultural differences and embracing different backgrounds and socioeconomic backgrounds that's going to give us a really better understanding of how we can grow and be better as a society in general and i think that's really important definitely man definitely yeah it's always fun talking to you man you're a fascinating guy keep up the content man likewise man likewise let's uh let's let's keep these platforms growing let's keep doing the work and uh keep trusting ourselves that we're gonna uh you know see see good success in the near future definitely man you have a great rest of your day man thank you brother you too Episode 89 with Hip Hop MD or Maynard Okereke. He's an awesome dude. Love having conversations with him. If you want to follow him on his social media, he's the Hip Hop Science MD or Hip Hop Science Show. Um, make sure to subscribe to me at Calling the Man's Answers on all streaming platforms to stay up to date with full episodes, clips, and shorts. Um, if you don't follow me on my social media, you can find me at Colin Weirs or Calling the Man's Answers. Either or. You know, everyone, tune in each week for new episodes. And as always, stay demanding. <laughs>